Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. We are wearing matching grey sweatshirts. Really <laughs> Good weekend. Yeah, really great. Thanks. Played some of that uh, paddle tennis, which is great oh, fun. Yeah, great fun. End. Watched a lot of football. Caught up with a friend who was here from law school. A law school mate who was here from oh, Ireland with oh. a bunch of his friends. Shout out to Fergal and the gang. My goodness, they. Whew, they Fergal really are. in the gang. The delegation of Irishmen, <laughs> the righteous Irish in Berlin. They came through and they had a great time and then um, caught up with another friend for a birthday. Uh, so yeah, it was a really lovely, um, lovely weekend. How about yourself? Nice, man. Uh, yeah, all good. Thanks. All good. Pretty quiet. Watched some football. Ate some food. Good times. Pretty good times. Pretty Excellent. low key. Love to see it. Some admin quick. We hope everyone stays safe and well. And uh, yes. Wright's house on Tuesday will be you and I. Yes. Talking to Ian. Going to be a bit of a flower fest. We're going to do some more Arsenal Man United stuff on there, but we're going to look at it through some key performances. Mm. Um, we'll touch on some other stuff as well. Touch on some WS- WSL stuff. We're going to mention it quickly today because there was uh, an issue with a number of games being called off due to frozen pitches. I mean, Liverpool, yeah. Chelsea, uh, sorry, Chelsea, Liverpool started and then was called off. But actually, go and check Counterpressed. That'll be out later yeah. today. It might be out now by the time you listen to this. Flo and the gang will be talking about that on Counterpressed as well. So go and check that. If you haven't subscribed to Counterpressed, go and subscribe to Counterpressed. Flo Lloyd Hughes and her gang. Twice a week, I think now. But today on Stadio, we are going to focus on the Stadio Derby because it was Stadio indeed. Derby weekend. Well, yes. And it was a very, very, very enthralling Stadio Derby. 
in the Premier League. We'll also touch on a couple of other Premier League bits quick. We'll touch on the Bundesliga's return and then we're going to talk about Serie A and Juve's point stocking, what that might mean for the league, what it might mean for Juve. I think that might do us maybe a couple of other bits if we think think about it. Yeah, yeah, as it comes comes to us, we'll jump into that, yeah. Let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, shall we begin in North London? We have to. What a game of football. Wow. Arsenal 3, Manchester United 2, as Musa likes to just make sure everyone knows the score. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Arsenal going a goal down. Manchester United taking the lead early on through Marcus Rashford. And I think that's the earliest that Arsenal have been behind this season. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan, the way this game started, the way that Arsenal started specifically, the way they were moving the ball was... Spectacular. Pretty incredible, huh? They were, ama- they were amazing. This was like, and I know we don't like to the past too much, but actually I think with Arsenal, I think it's necessary, it's relevant and it's instructive. This was mm. Wenger ball for 2022. This was the natural evolution of what Arsenal had been building through Arsene Wenger. There's the natural like descendant of that style, like the evolution of that style. Arsenal are relentless and they are ruthless. And I think three or four times, I didn't comment much. There was like this WhatsApp chat group and I, I was just kind of sitting, watching it and taking it in and just going, I think three or four times in the game, I was just like, what a team this is. Multiple mm-hmm. playmakers. This is the thing that's changed, I think, from like uh, the early 2000s to the late 90s with Arsenal. You knew who the playmakers were in terms of there were like maybe two or three initiators of, you know, people that could run a game. Perez, Bergkamp would run the game. Arsenal now have five, five people that can run the game. Like if you said like, oh, we'll stop Odegaard, Saka will run it. We'll stop Saka. Zinchenko will run it. Stop Zinchenko. Martinelli can run a counter. Like he can run play. Like he can initiate. And he's not just a dribbler, right? He's, he's putting passes together, putting movement together. And this was the difference between United, I think, and Arsenal in the end. There was that incredible stat about half an hour in the amount of touches that Arsenal had in the United box. Incredible. Compared, United had like one or two and Arsenal had like 15 or 16. And that was the thing. It was the fact that Arsenal stuck to the plan they kept playing football mm. they kept playing well, I mean, do you want to yeah. t- on that note yeah, yeah. Like, sure, uh, sure. Yeah. Opta posted a thing after the game saying that Arsenal had 63 touches in the Manchester United box no side has had uh, no side has had as many in a single Premier League game in this season so far Manchester United only had 12 in the Arsenal box the difference of 51 touches in the opposition box between Arsenal and Manchester United has only been higher in one Premier League game this season and it was Manchester City 4, Southampton nil in October. So if you wow. think about that, a side that is bottom of the league currently yeah. against Manchester yeah. City yeah. is the only game where, that, where that, that gap has been bigger than a side who was, who a week ago, remember, if, they'd, if results had gone their way this week, if they'd won both of their games this week, would have been, what, two points behind Arsenal? Yeah at the top of the league. And I think that is the main difference here between like what makes it such an impressive performance in the fact that like 
this isn't against a side that's bottom of the league. This is against a side who could have gone third. They were really good at boxing out Rashford, who scored a spectacular goal, get that sec. Rashford and Anthony, they're double teaming. So very often you yeah. see Anthony break down the line, Rashford in the line. Rashford in the second half at one point, no, the first half, cut down the flank, looks up and has two men on him as so a plays back down the line, retains possession, but crucially doesn't get to the byline. They were really, really good at closing off angles and key areas. And the thing about Arsenal and United, the game actually maybe felt more balanced on a superficial level than those stats reveal, but it's because Arsenal were like, we'll let you get this far and no further. The amount of times Saliba stepped in and was like, okay, that's quite mm-hmm. enough of that. It was almost like they let Arsenal let United, for the most part, they got them where they wanted them. And the one occasion they didn't have them where they wanted them was because of a moment of otherworldly skill from Rashford. And actually, yeah. in a weird kind of way, you almost want the opposition to score goals at like that because those are such worldies that they're not like the XG for like United was like 0.35, 0.36, right? And United, the Arsenal's over three, 3.2 or something. Mm. You want United to score goals at like that because that's you're not giving them good looks or easy looks. So the, the Rashford goal, actually Saka, one of the few mistakes he makes, gets dispossessed by Rashford. Rashford plays it into one of his players, collects it as a one-two, goes up against Partey and basically crosses him over. Mm. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the techniques, a flip-flap like the Elastico, it's, one, it's the type of technique that very, very few footballers, forwards have the skill to pull off. Like actually, you know, like the Leo Messi thing where Leo Messi beats someone at the near post mm. and the ball almost speeds up off the ground with dip and yeah. swerve and it's near post, but it's kind of unstoppable. It was like that. It's really clever just in terms of, um, I feel like that slight extra touch to go central mm. just creates a little bit of a, a blind spot for, for Ramsdale because you, I think it's Saliba blocks his view slightly. Yeah. I saw a few people praising United. Gary Neville praised United after the game as well. And then I saw a lot of Arsenal fans kind of online being like, how can you say that they were that good? Or how can you be praising United for playing well? Look at how much Arsenal dominated them. I think two things can be true, and which is why I think the Arsenal win is more impressive. Tactically, I thought Manchester United did a lot right, and Eric Ten Hag deserves a lot of credit here. Considering they were missing probably their most effective player this season in Casemiro, to lose him for such a big game, we knew it was going to be difficult. But I actually think, bar the odd mistake, McTominay and Ericsson were pretty good. I thought so. What they were trying to do made loads of sense. Yeah. And yet, they were still dominated by a by the better team and a team that is just a couple more well, the years. Best team, in my opinion, the best team in the country. Yeah, a couple more, couple yeah. more years down the line in terms of their process under that manager. Yeah. Sorry to utter this sacrilege, but. I'm not that gutted by this defeat because I'm like, this is the progress. Because I think back to the defeat against Brentford and the doom and gloom surrounding that and the, the interview, the conversation that Gary Neville has with Jamie Redknapp and the despair in his voice about no one wants to come to United. We're not attracting a quality of signing, all the rest of it. Now, look, we can't say this is a romance story because United have spent 170 million on Casemiro and Anthony. So like, that's a lot of money. The thing is that it's not about those, those signings are important, but weirdly enough, Anthony and Casemiro had almost no impact on this fixture. Mm. Um, mm. They didn't mm. really, actually, the players, this is a triumph in the last few months of Ten Hag's methods, yeah. primarily. Getting the team to play in a certain way, the performances he's getting out of one Bissaka, out of Luke Shaw, Martinez, just such a smart acquisition, a brilliant acquisition, actually. 
come back from the World Cup and is absolutely feeling it was brilliant for United, arguably the best player, and obviously got a very important goal um, towards really the end. A really good header as well. A great header, like a Marcelo Salas type finish. Like, where just, like I think underrated because Gabriel is on the line and actually really does clever. really well. I think like Ramsdale just needs to punch that. Yeah, it's a really clever header, but it's clever because he catches it on the kind of the on the up. If he was six foot five. He wouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> listen, a lot of people <laughs> talking about his height. I think us included early on, but you know, that's where it went. As, as someone who, let's just say, I don't think is that much taller than Lissandra Martinez. Yeah. Being closer the to the floor, but going closer to the ground there is, is handy. The height discourse, he's ended that and, and respect him for that. But yeah, Ten Hag's coaching, outstanding, but without dwelling too much on United, we have to talk more no, about- No, but I feel like, I feel yeah. like we, I f- I'm okay with doing that as an Arsenal fan. As well. Okay, okay. Like Ten Hag will probably be doing a similar thing to what Arteta did after a Liverpool game a few years ago where he'll be in the dressing room and be like, that's the level we need to get to. And you feel it. Like Luke Shaw, after the game, I think said something really interesting. We said, yeah, we deserve that for the second half. Because in the first half, Arsenal, I think, had the better of the first half, but it wasn't, it was a lot more balanced than it was in the second half. It was the second half where Arsenal really ramped it up. And we said with Manchester United last week, they can do a lot with a little. And this was a prime example of that in the first half because a couple of times they broke through and they had a couple of really good opportunities or looked quite dangerous. Mm. And they also did that a couple of times in the second half. Yeah. The key things for me, I think, were Bakayo Saka completely, basically occupying Luke Shaw to the point where Luke Shaw couldn't really do anything apart from defend Bakayo Saka all game. Ben White was on a yellow card and that substitution at halftime of Tommy Asu for Ben White, who I, I love Ben White, uh, I, f- I feel bad calling Ben because his name is Benjamin. Sorry, I love Benjamin White, and I feel like he's been unbelievable for Arsenal. And this was probably this is a sign of how good he's been. It's probably w- one of his not so great performances in the first half for Arsenal, and yet it mm. still was okay. He's on a yellow card. Arteta takes him off, puts Tommy Asu on, who because Bukayo Saka is completely pinning in Luke Shaw, all Tommy Asu has to do is just make sure Rashford is marked. Yeah, yeah, and that whole and United did nothing down that left flank really in the second half, apart from once or twice where Rashford got in in around the box. Yeah, yeah, kept it really quiet. And the scary thing about that with um, Luke Shaw and Saka is Luke Shaw gets a good look at Saka in training for England and yeah. still couldn't work that out. It's just because he's that dangerous and he's that. And I, I when I was tweeting about this and I wasn't completely joking, I was like, Saka actually is kind of becoming an Iron Robin figure for Arsenal in terms of. His ability, you can just let him get on with it. He can be a playmaker. He can attack by himself. He's devastating. The confidence, the power he's shooting with. I mean, that goal, there'll be talk about it and like De Gea could have better. But it's it's the way he unsights him as well. Well, that's the thing. De Gea's on that side. He's on the right side. But there's looking for weaknesses. It's looking for the weaknesses. It's looking up and going, oh, actually, I can go around you here. And we saw Saka do this in the World Cup. He made Chiromene look mortal. Mm. Do you understand how hard that was? The form Chiromene was moving with for Real and France. Mm. And the man caused him significant near fatal damage, you know, and <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's just gonna, I feel like we had to, you know, was it, was it Conte, like in a football in a, way? In a footballing context. Was it, context. Was it Conte, Conte did that? He was like, we want to kill them. And then he kind of paused and realized what he said. It was just like, in a football, <laughs> in a football way. way. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, in a football way. Saka's goal was outstanding. And mm, so there was a moment really, can I just say Arsenal? sort that contract out. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. I think with the things like, we'll maybe talk about them a little bit later, but with signing someone like Trossard, mm. as opposed to having to spend all of that outlay on someone like Mudrik, mm. I think just gives Arsenal a little bit more flexibility. They've obviously got Jakob Kivior coming in from Spezia, 
which just happened out of nowhere. 22 years old, very, very, very highly rated. Uh, pretty impressive signing from Arsenal, actually, for you know less than £20 million as well. So two very good signings for less than £40 million in total in the January transfer window. Very good signings and what they need. Very, very good, I think. But yeah, like, and then I think Saka, like we said, just caused sure problems all game. And there's a thing in football, and I, was, I was talking to Ian about this actually, about how like, I wish it was a little bit more accepted in analysis that, for example, like even on the, um, the Saka goal, there was a little bit of analysis that I was watching them just like, there needs to be a midfielder come out and get to Saka there. Or like, there needs to be someone to get out there. And we watch a lot of NBA, right? And one of the most common things that we hear is like, good offense beat, just beats good defense. Yes. And sometimes someone is just too good. Do you know, Messi scores a goal against Orange a couple of weeks ago where he basically, and I sent to you know, our mutual friend Callum from Caricom, I dropped him a line with a video of this goal where Messi basically walks across the face of the, um, the defence in the final third. They can't get near him. He plays a one-two, give and go, puts it in the far post. And I said, how do you defend that? You can't because he walks across the face of goal, 35 yards from goal. And if you come out and get him, he puts it in behind you. So you sit deep thinking, okay, look, we're going to pick our poison with Messi. If we, if we come out and reach him, he'll dribble through us, pass to us, and we're gone. And of course, like he ends up scoring anyway. There's certain things in football you can't really stop. When, when Saka <laughs> is locked in, to your point, yeah. when Saka was locked in like that, you're not stopping him. And it's okay, actually. It's okay. Maybe Christian Eriksen could have stayed, like kept him on his, on his right-hand side. Maybe if Casemiro had been there, he might have got to him a little bit. But it's just like, that is still a very, very low percentage shot. It's just one of those. You kind of be like, fair. Like, it's like Rashford's goal. A couple of errors in the build-up to it, but actually the finish, you're never going to be like to William Saliba, you need to stop that. Or no one really pointed any fingers at Aaron Ramsdale because they're just like, it was just a really good goal. Ryan, listen, everyone got their jokes off. Everyone got their jokes off when Di Maria was cooking Pavard in the 2018 World Cup. Everyone got their jokes off when Di Maria was cooking Kunde in the World Cup final. Everyone got their jokes off. But if any right back on the planet was like, okay, you go and do a better job, no hand is going up. Because nobody uh, wanted it. Yeah. Nobody yeah, exactly. wanted it. No one wants that smoke. <laughs> no one wants uh, it. And then we mentioned Martinez's goal. I mean, yeah, just very, very good header. Gabriel's Great unlucky. Finish. Ramsdale probably could have done a little bit better on that one, punched it away. One of those goals that's never not quite anyone's fault because the way the ball drops yeah. and he reacts to it, you look at it and go, I looked and thought, you know, actually, I'm struggling to blame this on anyone. Like when I see a goal like that, maybe yeah, Ramsdale could have done better, but in terms of, sorry, once maybe the ball Ramsdale. Drops, yes, once the exactly. ball drops, it's no one's real, it's kind of one of those, but I think yeah, pre, yeah. prior to that, I think Ramsdale punching might have been the best. Yes, I think that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. Eddie and Ketia getting Arsenal back into it in the- Yeah, first half, first half, yeah, the equaliser. We just skipped in Ketia's equaliser. But, um, Great bit of movement. Wambasaka kind of caught sleeping. Been really impressed with Eddie and Ketting. We'll talk more about Eddie on Wrighty's house because mm. I feel like we want to talk about the strikers with the striker. Can I say two classic centre forward finishes? Yeah. The definition of crashing the box. I mean, the second one is just like, I mean, maybe let's just talk about the winner because we've the talked about kick. like- The karate well, kick. It's just, this is just, if you were going to close your eyes and be like, okay, imagine that a side has completely dominated the last half an hour of a football match and it's two all. And- They've been working the ball wide, working it, switching it, crossing in, creating space, creating the odd overload. They're actually doing really well. They're just not really putting the ball away. Imagine what the, the winner in stoppage time looks like. It's kind of this. It's exactly this. And actually, exactly I think he this. deserves a lot of credit for this, is Leandro Trossard, who was involved from yeah. the moment he came on the pitch and kind of just looked like he'd been there a Belonged. long time. Such a great signing. It's such a great signing. 10 out of 10, no notes. At that stage of the game, to be able to bring on someone like Trossard, I don't know, it almost looked too smooth. 
that transition. He's such an Arsenal player, though. He's such an Arsenal kind player. He really is. And I love you Martinelli. Know. I think Martinelli's... Yeah. He's, a few questions are being asked about Martinelli at the moment, but I think Martinelli has to adapt his game when you have an underlapper, roaming, free-roll, libero left-back, mm. as opposed to someone like Tierney, who's always going to overlap. And I think and some of his all, numbers as well. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some like, of his numbers as well, like his stats. Like, you know, Martinelli mm. is legit. And yeah, it's e- I mean, I think it's easy to ask questions because of the rapid news cycle of sport. And it's easy because yeah. Arsenal have so quickly, here's the thing, Martinelli and Saka have so quickly raised expectations of themselves. They're now being set these new levels. And also there's the thought, people can't forget that Mudrick was almost signed and he would have been down the left as well. And that's going to be a thing that plays on the fans, the minds of Arsenal fans. I think it's underestimated how disruptive Martinelli is. And I say that as a rival, as a fan of a rival team. It's a very unpleasant proposition to see that man coming at you. And the thing with Martinelli is, his impact goes beyond the stats. I'll always say that. Like he has a uniquely disruptive influence on that flank because he mm. occupies so many people. Yeah. Like he's one of the few players that you can go, like he's almost, Martinelli is what I wished Anthony Martial had become. Actually. That's interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of what Martinelli is evolving into, I wish Martial had been that. Someone that cuts in off, off the right, uh, off the left, sorry, prefers their right foot can go either way they're on the dribble can isolate you can be a playmaker can be a decisive finisher and is unafraid of anything and who crucially starts a match with real intensity like us like Martinelli's ability Martinelli's the kind of player that sorry Arsenal fans to make you dream but Martinelli's the kind of player if you said like you five if years you say this if you, if you say, say for okay if you, if you say three years from now who could you imagine scoring for Arsenal in the first three minutes of a big Champions League tie. It's Martinelli. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought you yeah. were going to say. Okay, do you know what I thought you were going to say? In five years' time, if you can imagine Martinelli scoring in the Champions League final from Real Madrid, would anyone disbelieve you? And I'd be like, no, 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 that's fair, but why do you have to say it out loud? That's what I thought you, you were going to I thought you were going to go there. I didn't know I was going to go before I scaled back. I was going to say a Champions League final for Arsenal. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. That's even, somehow that's even worse. That's I know, even I know. Worse. That's why I scaled back. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I scaled back because now I've painted the picture. <laughs> oh, no, sir. But do you know I, what I mean? actually like said this during the yeah. game. Like I said, I said during the game. Like the the worst thing about this is the fact that like it was part of me. This is this is so funny how football fandom works. I was just like, I kind of miss when Arsenal were just like eighth because I'd enjoy watching them. And if Arsenal won, that'd be great. But it's just like, yeah. oh, well, we probably won't. And now it's like, oh no, these are really important. And like, <laughs> oh no. Anyway, sorry, Martinelli. Totally understand. Um, Martinelli, I think, you know, really impressive player. And I've talked about Mudrick before and Arsenal, who looked very good actually for Chelsea and the mm. time he spent on the pitch. Arsenal will find other players. And it's, it's sad because I think he would have been a spectacular addition to Arsenal's ranks. But if you look at the Brighton production line, if you look at Evan Ferguson emerging now and, you know, replacing Trossard, look, there's no shortage of outstanding young footballers in the world that would fit beautifully into an Arsenal system. Brighton show you can always find great replacements. Um, uh, can we shout yeah. out Matoma's goal, by the way, as well in that game? Oh my God, Unbelievable, because we've already talked about that game. But yeah. Can I just say, moment in the crowd, I saw a player, uh, a fan, seeing he, he cuts off the flank and just cracks at top corner, Leicester fans all side behind the goal and there's one of them just like clapping. I was like, you know what? Respect that fan right there it's because like, they know the little kid in real. the NBA game taking the respect tower. Yes, that exactly. It's like, you got us, you cooked us there. But um, So good. But back to Enketia, great finish there and the finish for the goal. You know what I love yeah. about it as well, from an Arsenal perspective, it's the process, isn't it? It mm. wasn't a 30-yard screamer. 
Arteta can go and you can't really do much with the 30-yard screamer. You can't say, oh, wow, look, we played our football and we won because the 30-yard screamer is anyone's guess. But Arteta can go to the dressing room and be like, you see what happens when we stick to it? Do you see what openings yeah. we can provide? Do you see what openings we can make when we just do it? And actually, weirdly enough, it was a kind of, um, and they say this as a compliment, reminiscent of Man City, actually, in the way that City will get good looks late in the game and they'll get tap-ins late in the game because they'll just prize you apart and they'll just keep, they'll keep just like working away at the hinges and the door eventually fell off for them. And so when they scored, it didn't feel unfair when they scored. No, I mean, if I was going to say, if you look at the XG plot, graph the way that it just gradually increases through the 25 minutes. 25 just, shots yeah, yeah yeah i mean this is it as we say we'll talk more about it with ian on right his house because i want to talk about zinchenko because i just think he's a complete unicorn like mm. i think this is probably his best game in an arsenal shirt so far but also mm. a lot about the intangible stuff because ian said he did an interview with him uh for premier league productions after the game mm. and i want to kind of leave that for right his house because it was really interesting what ian said the thing that i've been really probably mo- more impressed with is that the North London derby came the day after the Manchester derby where Man United were applying pressure on Arsenal at the top and that was the point where people said if Man United would beat Palace and then beat Arsenal what well, they can be a few points behind Arsenal. <clears throat> and that was where United were in a title race. Arsenal the next day goes in, away from home at Spurs a place they've not won at in nine years and they dominate Spurs and they win the game. A week later hours after Manchester City closed the gap to two points on Arsenal. So then do this to a Manchester United side that have been on that run yeah, is so impressive well, with all yeah. of that pressure they've had on them. For a young side, remember, what, youngest, young, uh, yeah, youngest or second youngest starting 11 in the league this season on average. Mm. A side who hasn't done this before. I think that that for me is the most impressive thing because it's hard to quantify that level of pressure and having to In its own way, it's even after. more impressive than what Napoli did against Juventus, in its own way. But in terms of very roughly teams that don't have experience of really closing it out, I know there's Inchenko mm. and Jesus do, but like the fact that Arsenal, they've answered every question asked of them. And I, I don't know, you dropped me a line actually a few weeks about this and you were talking about Arsenal. Obviously as an Arsenal fan, you're more anxious about this than I am because I see it from outside. Yeah. But I'm like, look, that 4-2 win against Brighton, at Brighton? Uh, yeah, we said this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Like that. Um, yeah. And the challenges in you know, this team, this Arsenal team just keeps answering the hardest yeah. questions. Shout out to Edu for the recruitments. Yeah. Because we've got to say, that man has brought in straight hits. You know, there's a mm. thing I, I always joke about Berlin as a city. I was like, it doesn't always give me what I want, but it gives me what I need. Yeah. And I think that actually Arsenal's recruitment, you don't always get what you want in the last couple of years, but you definitely get what you need. You look at all the, the people brought in, that was Ramsdale, Tommy Asu, you know, Benjamin White, just, and, and Trossard too, just looking, man, just fitted just, right in. It was so, when I saw Trossard's name linked to Arsenal, I just thought, my, first, my reaction in the group, I was just like, I love that signing. I love that. So yeah, really excited for Arsenal and what they were doing this year and for what they should carry on to do. Yeah. Last thing United before we actually move on from this, but um. What I really like about the United team is you can very clearly see the players who are like kind of placeholders mm-hmm. and I include Wout Weghorst in that. And that's not to disrespect, yeah. it's more in terms of a long-term solution. So he's not a long-term solution to the striker challenge, but you have now, Ten Hag has the framework. And so when you're now looking at United as a player that might want to join, you're looking very clearly at places where they have long-term need mm. at number nine in the central midfield areas and you're thinking, oh, like I'm 22, I can go there and basically like stake a claim for the next like five, six, seven years because you're now seeing a path to it. And that's the beauty of what Ten Hag has done. 
the infrastructure is clear, the plan is clear. Actually, rather like Arteta, maybe two years ago, where you had a sense of the framework, and Arteta was like, "If you let me plug in the right players, to the system, we're going to look like this." Yeah, and we're just you know, and we're two years behind Arsenal, and that's not a kind of. I don't mean that in a kind of negative. I mean, you know, our peak performance level. Your manager's only is, just joined. But then we're, yeah, but we're two years behind and, that, and that's why I don't feel too bad because if you'd said to me, oh, actually, if you said to me when we lost to Brentford and got absolutely cleaned out, by the way, you'll be this good in a few months, I'd have been like, oh my God, amazing. Dude, honestly, like yeah. even, though, even though they beat Arsenal at Old Trafford, we said before that actually Arsenal played really, really well mm. and I, I saw a more- This was a I better saw, performance, actually. I think, I think in terms of- In some ways. I think in terms of what it tells you for the future, this was- this the Manchester United looked a lot more tactically sound in this cohesive. game. I think. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, and some people yeah. might disagree with that, and that's cool. But I just I feel like yeah. that's that's what I felt anyway watching the game. And even that was at like half time. Um, elsewhere in the Premier League, then quickly, quick shout for Manchester United. Uh, sorry, quick shout for Manchester City and Erling Haaland, a hat trick. Yes, against Wolves, beat Wolves three nil. So he's already. Uh, scored more goals than the past four golden boot winners I think in the Premier League <laughs> goodness what's he got so he's on uh, 25, 25 goals 26, 25, 25 goals for 20 games um, should we has do he our played little... in all those 20 has he played like 90 has he even played in all 20 I know sure right that's the thing no well, he probably hasn't so how many games has he played this season he's played 19 19 games 19 Okay, so let's do our maths. He's on course for 48 goals. <laughs> well, it's a little bit lower. Earlier on in the season, he was on course for like 60 goals. He which, was, but he was. That was. Do you remember when uh, Pogba had those four assists or something last season? He was on like 148 Pogba. assists. Yeah. And he got like two more <laughs> and, and like, he just yeah, yeah. dropped oh, right off. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Man City just looked good. Wolves not great. Grealish looked really good. Grealish is feeling, I think there's Grealish an element of good. like, I think he's trying to like... Um, step up his outputs, isn't he? Mm. Assisting goals. He's really after that because I think that it can't, but you know, that, that transfer fee can't, but weigh on you. I know. It has I to. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, Leeds nil, Brentford nil in the early game as well on Sunday. There were a lot of, a few nil, well, Palace also drawing nil nil with Newcastle on uh, Saturday night. So that's not a bad week for Palace to be honest. A point against Man United at home and a point against Newcastle at home. You'll take that. Not at all. Great, great results. Yeah, yeah. Very tidy indeed. Uh, West Ham beating Everton in the absolute crunch game on Saturday. Man, Jared Bowen needed that performance. He needed that. Two for Jared, well, so did West Ham. Two for Jared Bowen, yeah. two for West Ham. He hasn't officially been fired yet, but there is a lot of rumours that Frank Lampard will be sacked by Everton today, which, Damn. I mean, hard to kind of say is unfair, but we've also said before with a lot of the stuff that's going on at that football club, it's bigger than the manager. And I'm not sure changing a manager is going to do a huge amount in the long term, although maybe they just need someone to come in and keep them up, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go down, that's going to be critical, but massive win for West Ham. Pulls them out of the relegation zone. They're on 18 points now, Wolves on 17. Bournemouth drop into the bottom three on 17. Everton on 15. Tied to the bottom. It's kind of gnarly down there. Very much so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bournemouth drew with Forrest on Saturday. Late equaliser for Forrest. Uh, we mentioned the Leicester-Brighton game. It was a fun game, this. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southampton losing one nil home to Villa. Uh, Ollie Watkins with about fifteen minutes to go. Emery quietly doing work there, doing some serious yes, work. You know. Listen, Villa moving up the table nicely and unafraid. 
unafraid to make some big calls. Like, you know, Matty Cash dropped in place of uh, Ashley, for Ashley Young. Moves like that. The, they've closed wow. the game. They're only a point behind Chelsea and Liverpool in the league now. Listen, listen well, I mean, that game was an interesting sign of the times. Ooh, yeah, this was, yeah, this was... This was very much a winter midday kickoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was not a good game of football. He had the Kai Havertz. I think was. I think Chelsea would be unlucky here. This, was, this felt a little bit spiritually onside. Oh, I'm slightly nervous about Kai Havertz's development. Yeah, slightly because yeah, do you know what it is? Not because I don't think he's a wonderful player, but I was thinking for the first time in a, a while. I was like, I really hope he evolves into the player that his talent promises he should. And it's because there's so many moving parts around him in the attack, mm-hmm. right? There's so many moving parts, like the wide forcing brought in and Mudrick's come in and Pulisic might be going out and certainly Ziyech like he's going out and, and Kai Havertz maybe finding his place and all that. Like, is he going to get that kind of aggression you need in the box? You know, he scored, he saw mm-hmm. a score late winner the other week, but is he going to be that volume goal scorer, that volume nine I don't know, but it, it's almost like, I don't know if I'm nervous or worried. He's not but even really a nine though, is he? What will, yeah, exactly. What will he evolve into? And I think the thing is, a well-functioning Chelsea forward line will see the best Harvards. Like if yeah, the, see, if the front still, line has- I still, I still believe that his future is like a kind of a roaming advanced eight. An, That's an eight where he's thing. best. That's where he's at his best. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's at his best leading the line. I think that's fair. That's fair. I think the build-up you know, is essential. The best football that he played at Bayer Leverkusen was as this kind of... I mean, he played all over the place at Bayer Leverkusen, that's the thing, but... Because he was so good, yeah, yeah. Especially when Julian Brandt was there as well, and they had such a good chemistry, but just finding space between the lines, between players, and kind of like linking play, being the glue, but more like a, in an advanced way. In the German Cup for the Pokal final, they put him as a nine, do you remember that? And it was just like, yeah, what yeah. is he doing all the way up there? They just... He wasn't... He wasn't doing any of the build-up. But yeah, it's a small point. Sorry to like dwell on that. But no, Chelsea-Liverpool, no, no. Chelsea, caveats with Chelsea, huge amount of injuries. Okay, so that has yeah, to be so said many. up front. Huge amount of injuries. And they also just look, not knackered, but just, this was hard work, this game. This game was hard work. Yeah, yeah. They need next season. This happened the year after they won the league for different yeah. reasons. But I feel yeah. like, we talked about this on Wright's House actually, like never underestimate how hard it can be to chase that Man City side over a sustained amount of time. And yeah. yes, there are questions legitimate questions I think about what is the plan but also I just feel that there's a bit of a end of a cycle with that squad and they haven't really got the pieces yet to fully fulfil the gaps I think that's fair yeah yeah man we'll see um, anything else in the Premier League you want to touch on or should we, should we wrap Premier League I think that's it and that's it for now yeah yeah All right, a couple of bits of news before we move on. So uh, a pretty grim story coming out in Spain. So Pumas in Mexico have terminated Dani Alves' contract after he was arrested on uh, suspicion of sexual assault. He's currently jailed without bail amid ongoing allegations. I'll uh, read a statement from Pumas president, Leopoldo Silva, with the information that occurred today about the legal process that the player Dani Alves is facing and for for which he is detained in Spain. We've determined... To communicate the following, the club has made the decision to terminate the player, uh, terminate the employment contract with Danny Alves from this day on. With this decision, the club reiterates its commitment not to tolerate acts of any member of our institution, whoever they may be, that go against the university spirit and its values. It's an institution that promotes respect, upright behaviour, dignity and professionalism on and off the field for our players as they are role model in society in Mexico and anywhere in the world. That was there from head coach Rafael Puente del Rio. Wow. 
Um, grim story. We'll wait for more info on that and see what happens. But yeah, uh, wow. Danny Alves arrested on suspicion of sexual assault in Barcelona. Mm. Um, football wise in Spain, can we just very very quickly shout out uh, Real Madrid's win over Athletic Club? Benzema's volley was spectacular in this game. Great finish from Tony Cross late on. Seals the game. Lovely side foot finish. But the highlight of this game, fan posting a video from behind the Real Madrid dugout. Just oh, shout. Did you see this? No, I didn't. No, no, no. Just uh, shouted at Carlo Ancelotti if he could have a chewing gum. Carlo just turns around and gives him a chewing gum. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. That is so... This game... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this game was, um, it was uh, important uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, lots of conversations about Tony Cruz's future beyond the end of this, beyond the end of this season. He stepped up and scored. Um, but lots of talk about Kamavinga potentially going on loan, which Ancelotti yeah. came out and quashed. Talk about his um, inconsistency for Real and he responded with one of his best performances for yeah. Real Madrid. Brilliant. And just look, just such an important part of their midfield at the moment and will mm. be for years to come. The natural yeah, heir totally. to, well, he played as DM, Like he can play as a DM, he can play as an eight. I mean, he can do it all. So, mm. you know, no, not really worried about his future, I think, at Madrid. Uh, Barcelona beating Catafé 1-0, but uh, they weren't amazing. But, a quick shout for Real Sociedad because uh, they beat Rio Vallecano 2-0 away. The ninth win in a row. And that's a club record. They need some serious work, eh? Dude, man. Like Imanol making it happen. Imanol bootleg tees. Slash shout for coach of the year. I mean, he's just a really good coach, man. Like over the last few years, if you see how they've developed, and we'll, we'll talk about Real Sociedad another time in depth because there's been so much stuff happening this weekend. Bundesliga's mm. back, so we can't yeah. spend too much time on La Liga. But like they're third in the league. Yeah. Like comfortably third. They're seven points ahead of Atleti. They're going to get in the Champions League. You know, they won that Copa del Rey, the first mm. trophy in God knows how long. We talked about that when they won it. And he's just slowly, slowly, slowly made that team feel like they deserve, they, like they should be in third. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They are the third best team in La Liga. Without question. They've got Barcelona and Real Madrid next. <laughs> so, uh, Small fry. But you know what? They pick up a point or two in those games. Could uh, could we'll have a massive sway them. on the league. Yeah, they could do. All right. Uh, Bundesliga's back. Yes. Wins for Union. Yeah, big comeback for them against Hoffenheim. Big comeback. Massive. And that was after uh, Bayern drawing with RB Leipzig on Friday night. Oh, I made the mistake, right, of saying, hey, you know, actually that point means that technically the league is in Freiburg's hands. <laughs> and so it was all my fault because Freiburg got absolutely hammered as you could say vimmered by Wolfsburg <laughs> yeah they did 6-0 a really odd result this for Freiburg because before that day they'd only conceded 17 goals in 15 games and they conceded 6 in one game really really surprising they have to just write this off yeah I mean they got Eintracht at home next which is a big game because Eintracht's a second um, they look really good against Schalke but they're level on points Christian Strike will be looking at that game as, a, as one that they should win at home yeah 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 but they need to they need to fix up quick because uh, the Bundesliga was back and it wasn't messing around. It was kind of like has it actually been away? 
It came back with no, it came out with big main character energy. Köln beating Werder Bremen 7-1 on the uh, Top Shield of Ocker Saturday night game. And then Dortmund just about beating Augsburg 4-3 in the mo- one of the most Dortmund games I've seen. Absolutely incredible going forward. Very ropey at the back. To be honest, one of the most Dortmund-Augsburg games you've seen in true, terms of... Very true. I was actually... A friend of mine was chatting to him the other night. Uh, he was on his way. He, we were out at a friend's birthday. He said, I've got to leave early because I've got to get the early train to Dortmund to watch it. And I said, who are they playing? He was like, Augsburg. And I said, ah, you know what it is with Augsburg. They'll give you a really tough game and you'll prevail and they'll put you through the ringer. And it's exactly what happened. Like they did it, it was at Haaland's first game. Yeah, yeah. Same thing again. Augsburg love giving Dortmund an absolute chasing. <laughs> but the thing was, like, all the Dortmund goals were so good. Like, Bellingham's goal was so good. Yeah, Jamie Viner Gettings came off the bench five minutes later, scored an unbelievable goal. Yeah. And then uh, Gio Reyna came off the bench, scored an unbelievable Oh my God, winner. yeah. Especially after everything he's had. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Dortmund coming out and winning 4-3 in the end. And, and Bellingham was just, that opening half hour specifically, but for the whole man. game, he was just, he's so commanding. For someone his age, man, I still can't get over that. He's just, We've said this before, but players come back from the World Cup in incredible form who've just remained absolutely locked in. Yeah. Like, there's no World Cup hangover from these people. Like, yeah. Lissandro Martinez is coming out like of that tunnel going, who wants it? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. everyone's come back on smoke from the World Cup. So shout out to all those players. Yeah. Also in this game, massive shout to Sebastian Aller who made his competitive debut for Dortmund. He came on as a substitute. So good to see him back. And he's going to be massive for Dortmund in the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, quick shout for the for the uh, derby between Gladbach and Leverkusen as well. Uh, Leverkusen looked unbelievable. They flew going out of the tracks, th- yeah. Going 3-0 up against Gladbach, who um, nearly pulled them back thanks to two late large Stindl goals. The second one in particular was a banger, fucking, yeah. Oh my God. Xabi Alonso doing work. Some of the football that Leverkusen were playing in this game was yeah. unbelievable and that's a massive result for them to come back and win at Gladbach. But yeah, that, oh man, I love large Stindl. I actually said to someone the other day, only semi-jokingly that like, yeah, if Arsenal, were, Arsenal needed shout. some some numbers, not a bad shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know who would actually, I think, spontaneously combust if that transfer happened? Yeah, Jenny Wu. Jenny Wu, friend of the pod. <laughs> like, what happened to Wu? It's like she spontaneously combusted. She combust. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't deal. But let's finish with Serie A. Yes, we'll go straight in with the Juventus because this is the story. Like, because the results in Serie A weren't that surprising this weekend. No big shocks. Napoli beats Lelitana 2-0. Osimhen scores again. Great 3 all draw between Juventus and Atlanta. But the, well, this the headline... The, this, this game was the pivotal... The, it was the, the pivotal game. The but, weekend, but the yeah. headline, the headline here is that Juventus have been docked 15 points pending an appeal mm. for allegedly inflating prices of players they'd sold. Now, there's a great piece, Yahoo Sports, on this. Mm. Shout out to Henry Bushnell. Can I shout out a couple of things that James Horncastle's wrote for the Athletic as well? Good explainers and a lot of good Absolutely, great explainers. Well. So fundamentally what happened here was Juventus basically wanted more room mm. uh, to buy players. Because of the FFP rules, you can only spend a certain amount um, over a certain number of windows. So what they did was, if you sell players for a certain amount of money, then you've got an increased cap you can spend up to. So what they were doing was, allegedly, what they were allegedly doing was selling players for, let's say, mm. 20 million and saying, actually, their value was 50, which gives you 30 million extra to spend in a particular window. That's an example, right? So they got docked 15 points for this. And in terms of what this means, and then there's also bans issued of varying lengths to uh, professionals in and around the organization. So Agnelli yeah. 
banned for two years. Yeah. Perotic banned for 30 months. Well, this is interesting. So basically the ruling applies to Italian football, but the country's yeah. federation is asking it to be extended to UEFA and FIFA. And right. Spurs, as of recording, we haven't heard anything from Spurs. Mm. But yeah, I mean, we saw, we touched, touched on it a while ago when the entire Juve board resigned and we were like, we know it's going to be bad. Yeah, this is bad. This is bad. Because this is kind of one of those kind of like, hey, we're resigned. Don't worry about it. Can you not go, can you go easy on the club? We resigned kind of thing. Mm. But I mean, for, uh, for I had a tweet from someone just quickly before you move on. Sorry to cut in, but no, go for it. someone who said, someone tweeted me saying, listen, as someone who's new to football, but are really into American sports, can you explain in a kind of context what that means? And, I, and, th- and I was like, it's kind of like, imagine that if the second seed in the East at the halfway point of the season in the NBA, all of a sudden got docked like 15 to 20 wins. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of basically what it's like, right? It is, but it's even worse because... It, it is, yes, that's a really good analogy in terms of what's happened. And there's something else going on with Juventus historically. This is the second big scandal to hit them in a few years. And in terms of their decline in the context of European football like this, this conduct, this alleged conduct is coming as a result of panic at losing ground, both domestically and internationally. Mm. You know, we need to spend money to stop the rot, but the rot is, is deep actually at Juventus. And, you know, the 5-1 defeat by Napoli was bad on the field, but off the field, this is a defeat that has bleak implications because you look at some of the players in that Juventus squad that could get flipped. You know, I, I said to you in the group, only like half joking, I was like, actually Arsenal could go back in for Vlajevic and probably should. Like yeah, if this ban- He's available at way, way less than he would have been. James Horncastle said it on Twitter a few days ago when someone said, oh, is so-and-so gettable? from Serie A and James Horncastle said like everyone in Serie A is gettable. Well, this is the thing that's a real, like obviously people love to kind of shit on Juve, like non-fan, non-Juve fans, let's say, because they, right. especially with the, the run that they had in the, in the 2010s of being the dominant force in, in, in Serie A. But remember, they were the, for all of the bad stuff around Juve, mm. they were really Serie A's only real uh, contender to win the Champions League, for example. Mm, yeah. I don't think it's quite as binary as are they good or are they bad? The dominance that they had over Serie A wasn't good for the league as a whole in the long run, but I think maintaining those Champions League runs, I think was quite good to keep Serie A in the conversation because people wanted to watch Juve and yes, therefore yes. people would tune in Serie A. The problem that I think you have is that, and James Horncastle wrote a really good piece about this on a much wider thing, but just as we're probably saying Serie A is a feels like it's hitting a sweet spot of being competitive, having really good players and being really good quality. Something like this is, a, is dangerous because it then throws into doubt a lot of stuff about the league, much like the Calcio Poly did. Mm, uh, scandal yes, did. yes, yes. There are loads of things going on in Serie at the moment that are completely pivotal for the future of that league. And if they can't get executed properly, Serie A is in big trouble again. Main thing is the ability for, for, for clubs to build new stadium. Yeah. Far too many clubs are in the position where they want to do that and they can't because of various legislation and getting stuff through. And you don't want a league where like, and I hate to say it and I say this because, you know, we're both fans of Premier League clubs where people are looking at like a club like mm-hmm. Napoli and just thinking, oh, we're going to pick off players like yeah, yeah, yeah. we're picking off a carcass. League. We're going to dismantle yeah. it. It's not good for the league at all. Obviously the money, the money league came out thing. Uh, the yeah. money league came out last week. And again, Premier League clubs dominate it. And the gap between, you look at the spending in January, you look at the spending in January 
ironically play, praised Arsenal earlier on the season for saying, hey, they've only spent like £40 million pounds on two great players. But you look at what other leagues have spent yeah. in total and it's, yeah. it is completely gross. You look at the miraculous that job that Atalanta have done in that context, yeah. you know. And, and the thing is, these, these players, these teams, and I know Napoli's squad is stacked, but Napoli and Atalanta in particular mm. are performing at a level that is basically maximising their resources, right? Yeah. They're going above, which, you know, of course clubs should do that, but even maximising your resources is not good enough. No. That's the thing that really concerns you about all of this. People are just looking at these clubs going, we'll pick them off because you can't develop continuity. And also as a fan, you can't have the stories. You can't have the stories of a team that has three, four years together that goes on a deep run in the Champions League. Like the, the days of like, not to throw not to throw it because any one example is just unfair, but like, the days of those clubs where you, you had like the same core for three, four, five years. Let's say mm-hmm. a Sevilla, for example, three, four, five years, the same kind of lineup. They kept coming back and, and running it back. You, you don't have those anymore. You don't really have those anymore. Um, so yeah, it's a shame. It's sad, but there we are. There we are. I think that's the, that's the real worry about this, but. Yeah. So bleak times, bleak, bleak times. It is, man, because I think the league from a football point of view, we loved, we've loved watching Sarah over the last few years. It's been so fun to watch. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens at Juve because they're now in, uh, they're actually in ninth place on 23 points now because of their draw with Atalanta, which was an unbelievable game, by the way, three all. Mm. But shouts to Adam Ola-Lukman, by the way. Another yes, brace in this game. In a, in a very, very flying. good season for him. Um, but yeah, man, I hope this doesn't derail Serie A too much because even though there was a long way to go in the financial gap, especially in like TV rights around the world, is so big compared to the Premier League but this is a, this is something for another day actually we wanted to talk weirdly before the weekend happened we were talking about this stuff about the Premier League streaming yeah if it's a little bit of a quiet week maybe we'll touch on that on Thursday and maybe we can talk a little bit more about this stuff as well because I feel like it's part of the same thing yes yes look this is a conversation that's not going anywhere anytime fast no anything else you want to touch on the Juve thing or there's not just my general sadness that um, all of it was avoidable and I think just look in the mirror, I think. Clubs like this, at a time like this, to just really look in the mirror and think, like, what are we doing? What is the identity here? What's the plan? What's the purpose? And get back to basics, really. You know, not cutting corners, really, because this is about cutting corners, isn't it? And I think maybe that, that desire to cut corners is because there's no... It's knowing deep down there aren't easy answers to this. There's not easy ways, mm. ways out of this. And I have a lot of sympathy, actually, for clubs. I have a lot of sympathy for clubs who feel themselves, find themselves outpriced, unable to compete with the financial behemoth of the Premier League. But it's not impossible to make your impact. Like Juventus, actually, to be honest, the biggest club in, the, in Italy, if any club can draw on all the talent, like if there's, the reason I have a limited amount of sympathy for Juventus is that there are young people all over Italy dying to play for them, mm. right? That's a huge amount of, goodwill they enjoy institutionally, even despite their scandals, right? Even through their scandals. So they're not short of natural talent that they can recruit and bring on board. And I hope this leads to a bit of a revamp for them and a rethink because it's overdue, actually. But yeah, that's, yep. that's all really. Yep. Should, we, should we leave it there today? Yeah, let's, we've covered every blade of grass. Football speaking. I'm <laughs> saying we're so, like two Zinchenkos. Oh my goodness, imagine. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, we it. hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check Counterpressed. Uh, we're flowing the gang. Don't forget to check Right House on Tuesday. Moose and I will be joining Ian. Never said-
Don't forget to check the ringer.com and check the study art just playlist on Spotify. And we're playing out on. It's noisy. It's a noisy one. Turn it up. It's very, very noisy because it was a noisy weekend. Uh, words come back by the hated. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwonga? Nothing further. All good. All right, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. See you then.